Live from Radio Row in Arizona, it's Cofield and Company, brought to you by Subaru of Las Vegas on the 215 and Rainbow. Through the Baker, coming from center field, picking off Derek Carr on the sideline. What a play from the Arizona Cardinal, who's prettiest all over Vegas. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Yeah, we're up. There you go. That's the way to start a show. This is talking to a, uh, an old boss, John Von Tobel. We're here, Radio Row, in Phoenix. And I was just talking pizza. Just talking pizza. What's up, John? Nothing much, man. Just hanging out. What's going on down there? Like I said, just talking pizza with a dude who uh, works at SiriusXM. I don't know how much you know the food shows you watch. I guess I'll give him a free plug. Um, there is a place that a lot of pizza masters claim is actually the best pizza in the United States. And the morons from uh, New York um, and New Jersey, which is actually the king of pizza for states, but they hear that Phoenix has the best pizza in the country, and they bristle. You know how they are. Mm. Very cocky. So is there a spot, like a specific spot out there? There's a spot. um, The place is called Pizzeria Bianco, uh, but... My buddy Mike was just telling me that he's going to leave at 5 o'clock because I was going to talk to him after our show, 5 o'clock Mountain Time. And uh, he's like, yeah, I'm going to go go wait in line to get some pizza. And I'm like, mm, okay, that's Bianco, isn't it? Yep. And he's like, yep. There's five locations in town, so we'll have to uh, hunt, hunt one of them down at some point this week. So what's going on on a Monday? I mean, it's kind of a busy day, I guess. Not in football. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, the, uh, the headline's stolen. Right. The headline's stolen. Now, here's the great thing about the setup. Down here on Radio Row, there's 128 stations on what they're calling Media Row, but it's it's Radio Row. I don't recognize the new media until I actually get checks from them, which uh, will happen at some point, right? As a, I see the TikTok booth here. I'm just going to go. I got I to gotta watch. Whatever they're doing, I'm going to watch. They got the TikTok booth. So I'm set up in a corner, and you can see on our video, mm-hmm. Q and Damon are right behind me from Raider Nation Radio 920. They got a ton of good guests today. And right in front of me just happens to be, it's a powerhouse station. It's the ticket in Dallas. So I have listened to Kyrie Irving talk for for like seven hours. And I texted you last night. I'm like, the NBA, unless something big happens, the NBA has stolen, you know, on on most sports talk radio shows. Well, I I can't say most. Are there a lot of stations around the country that will just ignore Kyrie Irving? No, I don't think so. I think because of what's happened off the court, he's a big enough story that you right? that he's not going to get ignored at all. Plus, we've got the ties to L.A. We have so many Laker fans in Vegas, so right. literally seven hours of every possible topic on Kyrie Irving. So that's one of the big news items of the day. We're going to get to more of that here in just a couple minutes, but I did want to set the scene a little bit, John. John, have you been to a Super Bowl to cover Radio Row? Never. Would you want to? I, I Yes. You, but let me tell you. I requested this one. Have you seen the set for VEASAN, your primary employer? Uh, kind of. Bruh, it is It's probably one of the three or four biggest, and it's right at the front 
of the media center. Um, I didn't realize it was you guys because, uh, well, I'm not even going to get into that. The DraftKings signage yeah. is massive, and I think the reason they went all out is that right behind us, you can't see it, but they've got the McAfee show set up mm. behind us and FanDuel. So I think they wanted to blow them out of the water, but all your personalities, um, I, I'm not trying to rub it in. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to rub it in. What, that both of the employers that I work for and I offered to go <laughs> uh, declined both of my requests and I'm still here? Is Superbook not down here at all? Uh, yeah, uh, they, they are. Too. Oh, they are? Yeah. Where? Uh, though They think they have like a... Uh, like the way their locations work, I want don't don't quote me on this. I think it's like a kiosk or something like that, not like a brick and mortar type of deal because it's an online book. Are they not doing? Are they not doing shows down here? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think John and Jay are down there or any okay. other. I think you know what? I think Tiki might be down there. Tiki Barber. I'm on a first name basis. So. You know, we we set this up last mm. week, and Vegas is coming up. I was talking to the Vegas convention people a little while ago, so we're gonna get one of the uh, the PR people on. The CEO probably in the next couple of days to talk about Vegas. But we set this up last week. We're at the Super Bowl where when I used to come in the past, I haven't been here for like four years because I'm generally doing something with UNLV this week. But when I came in the past, we're talking late 90s, you know, all the way through like 2018. Gambling in this room? Mm-hmm. Oh, even Las Vegas in this room. Whoa. Can we credential you guys? Like, there were a couple of years we got turned down just to do a show here because because of Vegas and we're connected to sports gambling. I mean, how think about how absurd that is now. Yeah, because they got money out of it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, that's how, that's I, all that matters. John, I'll always give the guy credit forever, as long as I'm doing radio on, on sports gambling and how the NFLs embrace it. I'll always give Dave Koken credit because when we did DC and the Sunshine Man, he said it all the time. He's like, the NFL is not against betting on football in fact they know people bet on football and they also know that's why it's as big as it is but he said as soon as they get their hand in the pot and they get a cut oh they're going to be all in and look at it now this is again to remind folks this is the first super bowl ever where you can legally bet on the ground in the state in the stadium around the stadium first time ever and then of course us next year and then the year after that as well. So this is a whole new thing. When I walked up to, because uh, this media center is connected to the NFL experience, when I walked up to the NFL experience, I was like, what is that thing? Giant entrance featuring FanDuel. I guess I guess I, I don't understand the NFL's like tiers, but I guess maybe they have like three tiers of partners. Yeah. I wouldn't even begin to guess. I'm, I'm guessing for this that FanDuel is one, maybe DraftKings and Caesars two, and then everyone else is in a third tier of the – I think it's seven total partners now, uh, sports books with the NFL. A lot of money there, man. It's it's un- everybody's an official gaming partner of the NFL. Yep. Yep. It's unbelievable. But, yeah, your set is beautiful, John. I'll take a picture for you. Cool. It's, it's, it, really looks, it really looks good. So might have to break some bread with uh, Big Dustin a little later on. Yeah, I know he's down there. I think uh, it's – I don't know if the other stars, big uh, heavy hitters – Oh, uh, you're more coming until a little bit later. Your morning stars are here. I think uh, they were here. No, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Uh, I mean, they might have just gotten down there because I yeah. did a hit with them this morning, and they were still in Vegas. So yeah, I saw. Boy, it's so weird. We're gonna have an interview later on with Arash, right? A favorite of most at the station. One person doesn't like him, but you know what are you gonna do? Um, Mr. Vegas, Mr. LA. Arash was just in Vegas for five days, and I didn't see him. And then earlier today, I'm like, hey, "What's up, buddy?" We had to come to Phoenix to meet up, but I had I had never met Stormy face to face. 
I walk in this morning. It's like, oh, okay. How are you? You're tall. Yeah. You're tall. <laughs> nice to meet you, Stormy. You're also short, though. I am short, and I'm getting shorter. I actually, I was kind of sizing myself up today. I was trying to grab Doug Gottlieb because I tell you all the time, I like Gottlieb's show. Mm-hmm. But they ended in an hour early. Uh, they just cut into his time. So he was he was getting off the air. And I was like, hey, come over for 10 minutes. He's like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll do it another day. I don't, I, maybe he was bent over. I didn't feel much shorter than Doug Gottlieb, which is weird because he played, I mean, he's six foot six one. He played Division One basketball. Well, right, but you can be small playing D1 basketball. Which, what, what I'm saying is, uh, even a guy who I think a lot of people are like, he was not good. He played at freaking Notre Dame and Oklahoma State, mm-hmm. and he's not big. Like, that is an incredible achievement. What years was that? Oh, man. I think he's, uh, my guess would be, boy, why am I getting so bad at math? So let's say he's 48. So take 26 years off of that. So what are we looking at? Mid-90s? Sounds like it. Okay. Or I can just go to Wikipedia and, like, find out, actually. Nah, let's just do math on the air. I think it's more entertaining for the audience. Yeah, 95, 96. No! Starting point guard for Notre Dame. Is that right? I got it! Yeah. So he's actually a little younger then. What's his age? Is he Uh, like 44? 47. He's 40? I, I pretty much nailed it. Math on Sports Talk Radio. I love it. I love it. All right. So the Mavs get the deal. And I was wrong. Kyrie Irving had plenty of suitors. We're going to get into all the suitors. Mm -hmm. So as I said, we've got the the ticket from Dallas in front of us. And the weird thing is you see how localized sports talk radio is. Like we do a different, they're, they're really good in Dallas. I'm not, this is not a comment. They generate a lot of money. It's they're a big time station. This afternoon drive show has been on forever. But when you listen to sports talk radio shows, they're so localized that like a lot of the show today was just getting familiar with the host and you're doing that for the audience too, but getting familiar with who Kyrie Irving is. Like I just heard them 45 minutes ago. They start guessing at what the anti-Semitic problem was, you know, a few months ago with Kyrie Irving. And, and like one of the guys just says, he's like, I really didn't look into it. Like it wasn't for that region. That wasn't a big topic because their NBA team is a topic. I'm telling you, I'm sitting here and I'm like, eh, I don't think you have this right. I was like, I'm kind of looking at him like, you may want to stop talking about this. I don't know about like you're misrepresenting. I, I listen to no. One, I'm one not guy. saying I don't believe you. I'm, I'm yeah. saying like as a as a as a radio station who's got an NBA team yeah. right in your city. Yes, it should be something that you cover <laughs> no. and that you should know. Like you can't get that hyper focused on your team. Yes, you can. Do you? Th- I mean, honestly, do you do you think the the people of Dallas are going to listen to five minutes about anti-Semitism and Kyrie Irving's involved. You know, I can't even say promotion because the way he did it was weird. But himself, him connecting himself to that Amazon documentary. Yeah, and it's by the way, it was not produced by Amazon. See, when you start doing it and you start throwing out statements, you you make mistakes if you really read into it. Because I mean, that was a really sensitive topic, and it still is. Right. Maybe not in Texas though. But I feel like it's on a much smaller level. Like, we covered what happened in New Mexico, right, with the New Mexico and New Mexico State, the basketball players, because it happened in the Mountain West. Right. right? Like, this, this is a national story. Western Conference, e- Western Conference, Eastern Conference. They don't and, cover New York and New Jersey. With one of the league's biggest stars. No. It was not a big story for them. That's ridiculous. I'm telling you. I listened. By the way, it barely came up, too. In, like, three shows that I listened to, it barely came up. Um I'll tell you, they seem genuinely excited. Uh, I think it's cool. 
because Cubans had trouble getting the you know the biggest ballers to the market via free agency. But I, well, and we'll get into how this deal went down. Can we just talk basketball here for a second? Mm-hmm. How does this work with super ball like super? You have the numbers, super ball dominant Luca. And super ball-dominant Kyrie Irving. From a basketball standpoint, it's cool to have, you know, a, a big two. But how does it work? I mean, I think it works perfectly fine. Kyrie Irving worked really well next to James Harden and Kevin Durant. Like, when, you know, you're a big Nets fan. When all three of them were together, that was an incredible group. Like, that lineup when they were on the floor together that year was one of the most dominant groups in the NBA. A lot of people thought that when they were at the peak of their powers, they were going to win. Guys can move around and adjust how they want to play, yeah. right? Like James Harden actually became a true point guard for like a month and a half with the Brooklyn Nets when all three of them were together, and it really worked. So I think it works out really well, and Kyrie Irving plays off ball quite a bit. He's played off ball with KD. He's played off ball with James Harden. I think it's going to work out perfectly fine. I think a lot of people who I've heard a lot of the, you know, is there's only one ball to go around. Right. I mean, I hate to bust out the casual line, but like, but you don't really watch enough then. These guys can adjust yeah. their games pretty easily. The last time there was on, only one ball to go around was Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, and Kevin Garnett when Colin Cowherd, who <laughs> I love, I think he's a great host, but he was like, I'm not going to work. I don't see how it's going to work. Only one ball. It worked. Right. Right. It worked, and it worked really well. Right, and like Kyrie Irving's a good catch-and-shoot threat, right? So he works off ball. He's They're going to stagger them a little bit so that you would assume one of them's going to be on the floor for a vast majority, if not all of the minutes, right? Um, and then both close it out together. Now, how it works on defense is yeah. going to be a real question. And, defense? Um, what? Yeah, and in the lineups where our own and my favorite Christian Wood is going to be out there on the floor with those two, that's a very big question as to how that looks defensively. But the offensively? Trust me, there's gonna, they're going to look pretty darn good. More Kyrie coming up. I would say 85% of it's going to be about Christian Wood. No, That's right. Uh, we're going to get into what happened with the Lakers, the Suns, and other teams that were making the pitch for Kyrie. Giveaway time, 364-1100, 364-1100. Caller 7, Jimmy Buffett coming to the MGM Grand Garden two nights in March. Tickets are on sale now, Ticketmaster.com. But Jimmy Buffett, here are the tickets, 364-1100. Ari's going to give you the tickets, 364-1100. Caller 7. Kyrie never thinks anything is his fault and everybody's out to get him. But from a basketball standpoint, it's going to be interesting with the Mavs. I don't see how Henry Luther can share the ball. I think that's going to be fascinating. They both need the ball to be successful. You know, neither one of them are great defensively, so I think it's going to be interesting. But, man, I'm just sick of the whole Kyrie saga, to be honest with you. Now, back to Cofield and Company, live from Radio Row in Arizona. Yep, Kyrie, NBA, Steel Day 1 of Super Bowl week. Sorry, but it's a pretty big story. I just mentioned before we went to break the notion that, hey, there's only one ball. How's this going to work? John gave a good explanation of it and then dropped the bomb and said, eh, basically to me, he's like, you casuals. Right. And then we have Charles Barkley come on right there and say the same exact thing I just said. I mean. <laughs> and don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. He's, he's averaging this year 3.4, and this is just three-point attempts. He's averaging yeah. 3.4 catch-and-shoot three-point attempts per game. He's shooting yeah. 38%. According to cleaning the glass, 37% of all of his made baskets uh, were assisted on, which means, right, he's playing off the ball. Wow. Um, so I, I think it can work. I think we've seen it. That's the thing, though. Like, what makes it lazy is we've saw, we saw it work. We saw it work. That was why yeah. this is so disappointing. We saw it work with James Harden and Kevin Durant. We saw it work with... 
LeBron James and Wade and, you know, Bosch to a certain extent, but there's been big twos and threes that have worked. There's been many more that haven't worked. Mm -hmm. But I thought you were going to drop the bomb there and say, well, I mentioned casuals and we just played a casual. No, no. I mean, Chris, Chris Wood did that to Shaq, right? Basically said he was a casual. Uh, yes, yes, I think so. Is that also? Is that the? Is that? I don't think that's the very memed line of Shaq saying, "I'm sorry, I'm not. I was not familiar with your game." That actually might be it, though. But yes, there was one of those where <laughs> yes, he dropped that on uh, on Chuck, and I think Shaq responded to it with, uh, "I was not familiar with your game." I'm sorry. Nice, nice. What is going to happen to our guy, Chris Wood? Uh, he could be traded. Uh, it sounds like that Come might on. be the case. Uh, now, he's on a, now he's on a great team. Yeah. If, if he fires up 14 and 8, he's going to be completely appreciated and win. Well, and they need size, too. That's the other thing, right? Like, he provides them some size because they've been a little beat up at center. He's missed time. It looks like he might come back tonight uh, if that's the case. It has been announced that it's likely, but in the NBA with injury, you've, you have no idea. So uh, I will believe it when his sneaker hits the wood. Um, but he's pretty, he's been awesome, man, and teams want him. They get something for him. So he's probably – and he's he's a good piece to add to a lot of teams who need, like – a guy who can face the basket, score, and add some shooting. So I, he might get traded, but he's still pretty important for what Dallas does. Now you actually look at the last two years, and you believe that they actually had what they needed, but they blew it. Oh, Jalen Brunson, 100%. I mean, it's not even – so it's not, Steve, that they had what they, like, 100% needed, right? But what did they need this year? They needed another offensive force outside of Luka Doncic. And last year – how about this? So I'm going to – got to make sure I got, I got this figure right, too, for his New York uh, contract. So Jalen Brunson last summer um, was willing to reportedly take an offer that was going to be about $55 million, like a $55 million extension. Um, He signed. They decided the Mavericks were like, nah, I'm good. So he gets $104 million with the Knicks this this offseason because of free agency because he outplayed that contract. The Mavericks had the secondary creator at a much cheaper price right there. But they refuse to give him the extension, so he outplays it. Then they offer it in the middle of the season, and rightfully so, because he told J.J. Redick this on his podcast. Like He's like, no, I've, I'm in the middle of a career year. I, I'm not taking $55 million. You guys can kick rocks. I'm testing free agency, and sure enough, he got signed with the Knicks for $104 million. So they, to, to have a guy like Brunson there, right, screw it up and not offer him an extension, desperately need him, so then you offered him. He's declined, and he goes to another team. Then you ship off assets like Dorian Finney-Smith and Spencer Dinwiddie and multiple picks to get a guy who might not be on your team next season. That's, like, really poor management. Nice. Nice. I like that Dinwiddie went in the deal, one of my favorite players. Long relationship going back to me uh, whining about the uh, Rebels not landing Spencer Dinwiddie. Colorado got him mm-hmm. instead. Very, under, very underrated player. And he's big, too. Like, it makes, it makes the Nets pretty intriguing. Like, still, you still get another guard piece that works next to Kevin Durant. He's a big body dude, so he's switchable. They like to switch a lot on defense, so he's going to fit there. He can still space the floor. He's a decent shooter. He's having a really good offensive year as well. Like in, in the by all accounts, Nets are not done adding pieces. And, and by the way, we shouldn't forget, too, Dorian Finney-Smith's freaking awesome. He is a great 3-and-D player who can defend along the wing. Like they, they did not get nothing in this deal. So given the fact that a lot of people thought they didn't have any leverage, Ended up working out pretty well for Brooklyn, given the position they were in. So we talked about hoops and Kyrie Irving coexisting with Luka. What about Kyrie, the personality? Who knows? I mean, will this be fixed with the coaching staff? Is he going to have respect? Is it a Luka thing? Can you know? Can not? This is the wrong terminology. Like Luka take him under his wing, but the influence of how awesome Luka is. 
I was going to say something really stupid. Like, would Kyrie be afraid to ruin the team? Like, Kyrie's not afraid of anything. He doesn't care. So is this going to work from a personality standpoint, or is it, you know, three weeks from now, there's something wrong and he's got to leave for four days to get his head straight? Of course. I mean, why wouldn't you think – why would you think it's not? <laughs> I don't know. Look, like, you I know, don't know. You, say, you assume someone wants to be somewhere else. And if they – not that you agree to go to the Mavericks. Someone must have talked to him from the Mavericks like, hey, is this copacetic? Is it going to work? Are you cool with this? I'll read you – let me read you something here. This is from Chris Haynes the other day. Kyrie Irving is said to be ecstatic about the trade to the Dallas Mavericks and looking forward to joining forces with Luka Doncic, a league source, tells uh, TNT. Let me read you one more thing. This is from Gary Washburn. Uh, for those who don't know, Gary Washburn works for the Boston Globe. I have been told that Kyrie is ecstatic about the trade, looking forward to playing for Brad Stevens and understand the Celtics tradition. That was August 30th, 2017. He's been ecstatic both stops. He's been ready to play both stops. And yet here we are, right? Like, this is what Kyrie is. Like, and look, you say it all the time, right? I don't think there's a show that really is, like, more pro player out there. There's very few than us. Like, very pro player. Yep. You feel something. You speak to it. You do what you yep. want. More power to you. You guys don't get enough. But, like, when it comes to Kyrie Irving, at what point have we ever seen, like, what is going to make him happy? I don't think anybody really knows. Does, I don't even know Kyrie Irving even knows that. And you make a good point. This is one of the, from top to bottom, it is one of the most temperamental, moody, unpredictable, day-to-day sports talk radio shows in the country. <laughs> we have no idea what everyone's coming in with. None. Very and true. You, and, and you can actually look at people on this crew and be like, will anything ever make you happy? And there often is not an answer because we don't know day-to-day. So I, so I side with people who are moody and you know, are changing all the time. Quick time out here. Pritch is up. We grab Mike Pritchard uh, over at VEASAN, of course, a big part of Lotus Broadcasting over the year and a hometown hero from Vegas. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at me, JVT, or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. Have you started recruiting Aaron Rodgers to be the new Raiders uh, quarterback? Duh. <laughs> why, why, would, why would anybody not do that? I mean, 100%. That's my guy, obviously, and wishful thinking, but we'll see what happens. What's your best recruiting pitch? Uh, that I'm here. Hanging at a radio row in Arizona, it's Cofield and Company. Devontae Adams does not lack for confidence. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't beat around the bushes. Uh, JVT is with us. It's Cofield, Radio Row, getting ready for the Super Bowl at the end of the week in Phoenix. And, um, you know, it's funny, I... I'm around all these people in Las Vegas, but oftentimes we never see each other, and then we see each other now. Mike Pritchard is here, <laughs> former member of, uh, and, and sometimes is doing some stuff with Raider Nation Radio. Of course, big part of Lotus Broadcasting, hometown hero, and doing stuff for uh, VSIN and DraftKings. You're a busy man. Yes, sir. John, you got to see Pritch going to all the different stations, not only as former NFL player, but also gambling experts. Very nice. Youth expert loosely, though. I mean, well, you're, you're a bigger expert than the majority of people here well, who are still very new to gambling. Absolutely. And if, and if they follow gambling, they're generally they're squares and hacks, not I'm, to be mean. I'm finding that out. I'm finding that out. But, I, I, you know, my learning curve was flattened because of being with VEASAN, though. So, like, I mean, I think if, if everybody could have the opportunity that I have had with uh, uh, VEASAN, uh, their learning curve would have been flattened as well, though. But, no, it's, it's been eye-opening uh, from this side uh, of covering the Super Bowl, including gambling. Uh, normally, uh, you know, if you're part of the media row or radio row or, or any part of the media, it, it's been more X's and O's. But now we're getting a ton of um, um, questions and, and a ton of advice, or not advice, uh, we're giving a ton of advice 
uh, in terms of what to do with this football game from a, from a betting perspective. John, how much have you, have you bet so far? You, how many bets have you put down? Uh, I think I've got like four or five in. Um, how many will you bet total? Uh, I'll probably go with like ten ish, something That's it? like that. Yeah, I don't really? want to go too crazy. I'm also in the uh, the super contest, or excuse me, the Westgate um, uh, props contest, so I have those two entries as well. So I have quite a bit going. That's so, Prince, where, where are you now? Because I know you have, you were you talk about this all the time. You were mm-hmm. programmed not to right. bet. Right, right, no, yeah. I mean, well, we were threatened. <laughs> More than program, not program. program. We were threatened. It wasn't um, nice. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't sneaky. Yeah, I couldn't even walk uh, in the book. I didn't want to uh, just because I didn't want an initial showing up at my door, FBI, you know, DIA, and those kind of things. So um, I, I think, you know, for me, I'm light. I've always been a light better. I mean, it's, it's recreational for me. A lot of times I'm not doing it for a living, um, but I do enjoy it. So uh, I'm light right now. I got an MVP. Um, uh, bet on Miles Sanders. I, I have anytime touchdown with Miles Sanders. I'll probably have about six or seven total bets still for the Super Bowl. All right. I'll probably do like 20, 15 wow. or 20, but I okay. do a lot on I'm, I'm not, believe me, it's pizza money because I'm not a sharp, but on day of the game, I will basically try to go against the public and get some value, um, maybe play some depressed numbers, go that way, and I usually I don't know. Is that a terrible approach, John? Is it just to kind of look for where the public went hog wild? I mean, not really. It depends on what you're betting, right? If yeah. you're getting value on a number, right? And closing line value at that, I don't think it's crazy at all. Yeah. Something like go. that. Mm. All right. I'm not a square. Also, I mean, I would also say don't shame anybody for only having like 10 to 11 bets. No, like not at all. you just tried to do to me. You're probably, you're, you're probably the smart guys. And we have Brad Powers on at the, you know, at the end of the week. And Brad was saying with the props, he's like, I put in a couple based on some other experts I talked to, but I didn't go crazy. Well, what's the, what's the norm? How many, how many I have, prop bets do people normally have? I have no idea. I don't okay. know. However don't many know. you want, Pritch. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, it depends on how much money you bet, too. Are you, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if you're betting the same units on your props as the game. I bet the game right out of the gates. Okay. I didn't get the best number, but I wanted the Chiefs. So I got the Chiefs plus two, and that's I'm done I'm done with the side, you know, the betting the sides. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, prop bets are fun, but some of them are ridiculous, though. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you want to win your bet, right? Yeah. You just don't want to bet for the sake of betting. So... Uh, I, I, when I look at props, I, I look at prop bet situations that, that I feel like I have a good, solid probability of winning. By the way, you can find my five favorite NBA crossboard pra- uh, uh, props for Super Bowl 57 <laughs> up on the website at Easton.com. So I'm betting at least two of those. At least two. Yeah, they're fun. I like give me, them. Give me one that you really yeah, like. Yeah, no. I want to hear this. Uh, all right, so let me give you the top one. And this actually – actually, this is perfect because it, it ties into what Pritch was talking about playing potentially – you can get, and let me get the exact number here. It is LeBron James points, rebounds, and assists. They are playing the Golden State Warriors against uh, one Miles Sanders rushing yards, or excuse me, Jalen uh, Jalen Hurts rushing yards. Um, and my thought process here, Pritch, is that since we've seen Hurts get injured, the rushing production—it's only been three games—is pretty dipped. Only three point seven yards per carry. He's uh, scrambling less. Only two scrambles in the two games so far. I think the rushing yard prop you use it as a barometer, right? You're talking about like forty-nine and a half. I think it's pretty high. So for sticking with like averages for LeBron here, he's at forty-three point six points, rebounds, and assists per game. I'm, I'm thinking about LeBron James and um, betting him in that matchup against Jalen Hurts' rush yards. No, I like it. I like it. I mean, are you trying to predict when he's going to get that record, too? Because he's chasing that record, right? I mean, obviously, uh, for LeBron, uh, it's, it's an offensive night every time he's on the floor. Yeah. I, I also think, too, what might factor in, because he's going to get it either, you know, in this next matchup against OKC or uh, I think what they have the Bucks after that. Um, it's one of those two matchups. 
I would say that when it comes to LeBron, I do wonder if the motivation leaves because he's on this scoring tear. And right. now all of a sudden, once he sets the record and he's going to play the Warriors, he's like, ah, oh, let me just take it easy. He's going <laughs> to score like 10 points. I'm going to lose his pop <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, yeah, yeah, I see that one. Radio Row It's brought to you by Subaru of Las Vegas. Also, Spearman Rhino Pritch is with us. Mike Pritchard, hometown hero. Former- Rhino got y'all out here? That's tight. They do. That's tight. I was actually just thinking they need us in there. <laughs> you're always about to say. Because we, we, we used to do about uh, 50 shows a year at Gentlemen's Clubs, <laughs> and that has dried up a little bit. They still advertise, but they, I don't know. For some reason, they don't want us out there anymore. Oh, maybe I did something wrong or Adam Hill did something wrong. So let's talk uh, Raiders and the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, I want you to describe to people – uh, or what do you think of Aaron Rodgers at this age? It was interesting. Last week we were we were doing the whole goat conversation, right. right? Every once in a while we'll dip in it. And Stanford Rat was on, and my goat list, I had Brady top five. I didn't have number one. I was going to get caught up in the emotion. And I had Rodgers ahead of Brady, and okay. then Willie Ramirez starts yelling, you know, Super Bowl wins at me, and I'm like, I don't care. Right. Naturally gifted quarterback. I think he's actually a better quarterback than Tom Brady. Rout was talking about him and said, listen, as a cornerback, man, that guy, in terms of arm talent, like he said, the ball will on that back shoulder throw will zip by your ear, and you're like, "What the was that?" Yeah. So, what do you think of Rodgers? Is he still at like ninety percent, and is it worth trading some assets and and picking up all that contract for well, the Raiders? Well, I'll answer that question first. Is it worth it? Hell yes. Um, you know, the thing about a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers is they got to be motivated. Like when Tom Brady was playing, he was chasing something. Right. I mean, even after, what, seven Super Bowl rings, he was still chasing something else. Uh, and that's what motivated him. And that's what's going to motivate you. Jerry Rice still playing uh, when his hairline was way back here and he had the dreads. Remember that? And he was like, he's playing football with, 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 some, with, with some dreads. Right. <laughs> but he was chasing something still. I, you know, I, I don't know Aaron Rodgers in, in Green Bay is motivated. He's done it. He's done everything. So. A new location will help him. Going, getting back to uh, with Tay would help him. Uh, I think it would bring out the competitor in, within him, and it would make him want to chase something again. And if you get that version of Aaron Rodgers, then that's great. There, there, there's something about these great players, once they achieve that greatness, they don't know how to be different. I mean, we saw Russell Wilson decline because he's not coachable, right? He's not listening to anybody. But – Aaron Rodgers, he's going to have to learn a new offense. He's going to have to learn the Josh McDaniels way. And, and I think if he signs up for that, uh, you're going to get a fully invested Aaron Rodgers, which would be a great thing for the Raiders. Pritch, how is Russ not coachable? Doesn't he have an extra set of, like, of coaching staffs in the Broncos building? Like, not anymore. What, what, what are we talking about here, huh? <laughs> not anymore. Not <laughs> anymore. Sean Payton put a squ- – he squashed that, didn't he? Uh, publicly, which, I mean, I, I think you needed to do that. It's awesome. Yeah, you get, that's why you hire that that's guy. That's why you hired a guy. Russell, you can't do that crap anymore. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, I, when, when Sean Payton decided to say that publicly, then that was not only a message to Russell Wilson, but that was a message to everybody in that locker room. You're going to be treated uh, accordingly. You're going to be treated as if you are, as everybody's the same. And that's how it has to be in the locker room. So you can't elevate yourself out of a locker room. Uh, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to do anything like that either. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, again, a, a motivated Aaron Rodgers, a coachable Aaron Rodgers would certainly 
uh, benefit the Las Vegas Raiders. Pritch, when it comes to something like that, because I know there's a lot of like Twitter people out there like, I don't think Russ can get fixed. But like being fixed, if we're using that term, is more starting with stuff like that, right? Like kind of bringing them down a peg and realizing like, all right, like I'm going to coach you. I'm going to right. come at you. I'm going to point out your flaws. I am going to tell you this is the way we're doing it. And it's not going to be over the top, but it's getting you back into structure. Not your structure, but the team's structure and what we're doing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a team sport. I mean, it's never it's never about uh, the individual. Even though Russell wanted to get out of Seattle because he wanted to make it about an individual, and he did that. Uh, and Nathaniel Hackett allowed him to do that, and that's why he didn't have any credibility, and that's why he lost respect. Um, and, and I think Sean Payton immediately earned respect uh, in that locker room because that's where he needed to get it, before Russell and even after Russell Wilson. So uh, it's up to Russell Wilson now, JVT, in terms of, Will he humble himself enough? Will he become coachable again? Uh, And if he does, we'll notice that as betters. We'll see that right away because I I think it'll be a good thing. If not, then the Broncos are going to continue to struggle. It's Pritch with us, Mike Pritchard, Cofield and Company, Radio Row. Did you ever play for an OC where you're like, what is going on with this guy in terms of how complicated this friggin' offense is? (laughs) Yes, sir, I did. (laughs) I mean, who is it? um, It was. I'm trying to remember his name. I'm not trying to cop out. It's Dennis Erickson's offense coordinator with the Seattle Seahawks. Bob Bartkowski. Is it Bartkowski? No. He was with the Bengals, too. Bratkowski? Bratkowski. That's it. That's it. How, I didn't even know my coordinator's name. <laughs> I knew my player. I knew my position coach's name. I knew the head coach. Uh, but, yeah, our, our offensive coordinator back then, uh, he, he wanted to have an answer for everything. Like, uh, protection was breaking down. Protection didn't make sense. Okay, we we got to do this, and we got to do that on the fly. Um, okay, we don't have hot routes, coach, or we have these hot routes, and then okay, they're baiting us in the hot routes, and then they're bailing out. Oh, okay, well, he he tried <laughs> to have an answer for everything, yeah. but um, it, it was so complicated that it was not effective. Right. I mean, so where I'm going here is yeah. Devonte Adams halfway through the season this last season was talking about Josh McDaniels' offense and like comparing it to learning Cantonese. <laughs> so let's go back to Rodgers. Mm-hmm. How do those guys blend together? I mean, Rogers is, is would Aaron Rodgers walk in and be like, hey, this is cool? Or how about novel concept? How about the coach adjust to the player? Because well, he never, it didn't, doesn't seem like he did to Derek Carr. I, well, see, that's the thing. I mean, it's one thing trying to adjust with Derek Carr, or maybe you're not going to proceed with Derek Carr, and you already know that. Uh, and then it's another saying, okay, that's the quarterback that I want. You're going to change your ways. You're going to. You're going to change the offense. You're going to ask that guy, what do you want to do? Uh, and, and in particular, a guy like Aaron Rodgers, the offense has become that. Okay, Aaron, what concepts do you like? What do you want to do? Uh, and then we'll incorporate, incorporate that into what we do uh, and make it work. So um, I, I, it'll, be, it'll, it'll be easier than what people imagine it being. Um, I, I'm, for one, uh, under the belief that this was an audition for D Carr, and they made up their mind a, a while ago uh, about that. What do you have going on with Visa this week in DraftKings? Everything, man. I've been I've been everywhere. I've been on the Lombardi line. Obviously, that's uh, the show that we host or I host uh, during the week when Michael Lombardi's not in. Uh, so we got one more show uh, that way tomorrow, uh, nine to eleven out there in Vegas, and then uh, CBS, Fox. NBC, <laughs> any former player NFL who walks network, through, here, you're getting, you're getting oh, swallowed man. up. It, it is. I am getting swallowed, but it's great. It, I mean, it's it's been fantastic. It's it's great exposure for Veasan too. I mean, we're here and Fanduel's here. I get that, but uh, in terms of the sports, you, you have the bigger set. We have the 
best set, to be honest with you. <laughs> I told uh, John, I was like, I walked in, I was like, what is this thing? And I think that was on purpose, too. FanDuel's is pretty good, but DraftKings <laughs> yeah. is like almost through the roof. It, it really is. But, I mean, exposing everybody to what you hit on at the beginning. I mean, uh, the sports betting network, right? And, and so everybody wants to understand and uh, maybe uh, dabble a little bit more with sports betting. Pritchett's the first time the Super Bowl's been in a city where you can bet at the game How about and that? on the ground. I mean, it, you know, we started out talking about how the NFL threatened you. <laughs> Right. Well, yeah. I mean, that threat has been out there for anyone connected to sports gambling when they come to the Super Bowl. And now we've got the freedom to actually bet on the ground here. It's the change is amazing. I know it's mostly about money. But right. The acceptance is amazing. Oh, it really is. I mean, current players, you cannot bet coaches, all that. I mean, similar to when I was a player, uh, but they scared me so much that even when I retired, like walking to through the Westgate, like I stopped right where those stairs were. And I just peeked into the <laughs> book. Because I like what's going on in there because I, I was scared to walk in there. I mean, they still mean business, right? Absolutely. Calvin Ridley just lost a year in his prime. Right, right. So, um, but now, like you said, I'm retired and um, I benefit from sports betting from a, you know, pension <laughs> yeah, standpoint, yes. a um, retirement standpoint, sure. lucrative situation. So, the more the league grows, the better my pension gets and the better my benefits get too. So, uh, I, I love the partnership, uh, and then on top of that, I have the confidence to play now. You're going to bet the over, uh, or you going to bet the over win total for Dion's team this year, <laughs> whatever it's set. John, is it is it set at four or four and a half? That was four and a half. Is it four and a half? Over. Mm. Um, yeah, I'll, over. I, I'm going, I'll book it right now. I'm under. going bowl season. Yes, yeah, I'm going bowl really? season. Yes. You see the athletes he's getting. Got to coach him, Pritch. I know he's got Tran- a coach. Transfer portal or or 2023. And, and uh, excuse me, um, they're going to go right on the field and be. Okay. Come um, on, man. You played the game. You know how hard that yeah. freshman I mean, you were awesome. But. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's hard for – I think if you're good enough, you, you can get on the field. Um, I, you know, the players, the, the level of talent that he's bringing back to see you, uh, yeah, I expect those guys to compete. He wants everybody to be competitive anyway. But that's how you're going to get better. John updated the total, win total. It's gone up. It's five and a half. See? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. See? Uh-oh. That's got to change your mind. Under. Boom, bowl game. Bowl game. Got to get a six. <laughs> Ari, right, roll it in. I'll take roll that. Roll it in. Next time we talk to Pritch. Oh, is JVT's going under? I'll go John, under. You want to go head to head, five and a half? I'll go under. You go over? Yeah, let's do it. All right. I'll go under, too. Oh, nice now steak dinner. I have to pay out two bets. Yeah, next nice steak dinner. You got it. You got it. There you go. I got to pay out two steak dinners. Or, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great. I like he how. Just got I like how. Talked about your pension. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's but go. Steve, yeah, right. Steve and that stomach snick suck in there, though. <laughs> <I know. laughs> All right. Big Belly back here on uh, Radio Row. John Vontol. Coming up, you know what? I got, I got to mention a little college basketball. Not only UNLV, but what was Jim Beheim talking about this weekend? I'm like, I, Ben. Talk about the pod calling the kettle black. What, what are you doing snitching? Cofield and Company is live on Radio Row in Arizona. Brought to you by Spearmint Rhino. Now, back to Cofield and Company. Live from Radio Row in Arizona. Presented by Subaru of Las Vegas and Spearmint Rhino. And our pals at the Superbook. Willie Ramirez, big Super Bowl blowout show on Sunday, and then you can hang around and watch in the theater with the uh, giant 4K video screens, beer specials. Also, if you want, if you want, and I'm sure there's only a few left, you want to get in touch with the folks at the Superbook, right, John, to get one of those VIP booths if they're still available. Those deals are tremendous, and the theater is really cool. If you got a little more money to spend, 
being in the middle of the action in the book with food and drink is second to none. It's awesome. Service is awesome as well. And uh, like you said, our environment's going to be great too. So I am, uh, I've yet to decide where I'm going to go for the Super Bowl. might just be there. So I know we're doing Las Vegas Sports Talk. So I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this. But I do have to mention, I thought this last weekend, one of the most shocking things I've seen in 30-plus years of working professionally around sports was Jim Beheim calling out Miami and Wake Forest for buying their teams. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I like literally mouth agape. I'm like, this is one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. It's one of the worst examples of someone snitching on others. And as, as our good buddy, the sports pig, used to say, righteous indignation from someone completely and totally in the wrong. The set the sack on this guy would break a table. By the way, don't forget he also uh, called out Pitt, too. So three he programs. He called out yep. Pitt, too. And it didn't he also he kind of made a, a reference that, like, his, his boosters told him. Right. And when I saw all this, so, yeah, Jim Beheim at Syracuse said, these schools are buying their teams. Yeah, the quote, by the way, that you're talking about, my like big donor right. uh, talks about it, but he doesn't give anyone any money, nothing, not one guy. Our guys make like $20,000. Wake Forest mm-hmm. bought a team. Right. What did we predict was going to happen with NIL? What did I predict? Because a lot of it was a fight against you because I was pointing out that in football it will be tougher, but in basketball the playing field is going to be evened because – it's not going to be the same 25 schools buying their way into mm-hmm. players. It could be 75. If you got some local sponsors, now you can do it above board, some boosters, and you're seeing different schools emerge, and some of the power schools can't buy who they used to buy. And I pointed out to you that Brandon Knight, who played basketball at Pitt, brother of Brevin Knight, Brevin was a gigantic recruit before he landed at Stanford and then on to the NBA. Well, Brandon Knight is an assistant in the Big Ten at Rutgers, and he basically said, you know, Jim, we know where the, the bodies are buried and and what you did. And that was the first thing I thought of. I'm like, I grew up in the 80s into the early 90s, and the teams that Jim Beheim put together, frankly, the Big East versus the ACC and other schools, if you didn't offer cash incentive, you think you're winning any recruiting battles? Right. It, oh, and by the way, I think also part of this too, I mean, like you said, maybe everybody's caught up. Or maybe Jim Beheim needs to adjust as a coach and not stop running out the same 2-3 zone. He hasn't won more than 10 games in ACC play since 2014. John, right? here's, what, here's what's really happened. My guess is his boosters, who used to give him money for players, have looked around and they're like, Jim, I'm glad to buy you players. You don't win. Right. The spigot's turned off, brother. You don't win. I mean, think about it. If, if you cheat and you have money for players and then you don't win, what do you, your backers are going to be like, No. No. What are we cheating for? Like, what's the freaking point? You're not even winning at an elite level. And then the tremendous thing is this story is all enveloped around the fact that what is Jim Beheim doing since he's been sliding now for four years? What's he going to do next year? He's walking, right? This is it. I mean, the hand, the, the, the sign's on the wall. Come on. you got to leave. You're, you're going to be 77. He's coming back. He's coming back. They can't get rid of him, which means they have to make a bold move. What do you have to do every once in a there are just certain situations where you got to tell a coach, I'm sorry, that's it. And he, you know what? If he wants to go scorch earth, then go ahead and do scorch earth. Because mm-hmm. he'll probably do it. He's, he has lost. He, he was always whiny and obnoxious. He has lost 
his friggin' mind. By the way, it's also kind of sad as you've seen two great ACC coaches leave in the last few years pretty much on top, and he's just sitting there hanging on for dear life, clinging to these teams. He can't get players. People don't want to play for him. He's not a fun guy. This is supposed to be fun. No one's having fun. Just misery. And now lashing out at others. Weak.